Hey, so before, before we get started, I have a couple of announcements. The first announcement is this. Uh, maybe you didn't see Brittany kind of waddling through the lobby today because they had their baby two days ago. So, so this is what I thought we would do. We're going to take a video and I'll send it to her later. Or I can send it to her now. It doesn't matter. Uh, but we're going to say congratulations, Rochelle family. All right. Go ahead and practice saying Rochelle. Ready? One, two, three. One more time. One, two, three. Okay, so we're going to go, congratulations, Rochelle family. And don't sound so monotone. Like if you had a baby and somebody was sitting, congratulations, Rochelle family. Like put some excitement behind it. All right, clap a little bit. I'm going to just do a little pan. So on the count of three, here we go. Ready? One, two, three. Hey, I'm going to turn this around. Hey, Brittany, they were supposed to say congratulations, Rochelle family. I said three. They just started clapping. Mike got it right. So congratulations. Congratulate him one more time. Go ahead and clap. I'm going to, because I can and I have my phone. You better not be texting anybody during service. Only the pastor can text people during service. Look at that. Yeah, rules for thee and not for me. Don't say that. Uh, can you catch? Uh, don't catch. Okay, there you go. No, she, she knows what she's good at. Uh, hey, so here we go. We're going to kick off today's service. I do have uh, one announcement that I want to say. We've been saying it the past few weeks. Uh, but December the 26th, that's next Sunday. We've been announcing this for the past couple of weeks. But one of our traditions at Multiply Church is, is we have church at home on the last Sunday of every year. What does that look like? The team has already recorded our, our service for uh, next Sunday, and we're going to send it out. Sunday morning at 6 a.m., that, that message or that devotional will go out to everyone's email that we have. How do we have your email? If you follow directions and fill it out at one of those VIP cards, we have your email. Uh, but we're going to put it on Facebook. We're going to put it on Instagram, all over social media. We're going to email it to you. Uh, we've had an overwhelmingly positive response this year of, hey, thank you because I'm going to be traveling for Christmas and I was trying to figure out how to make church work and how to get there on Sunday but get out to my family and, and people being back and forth and all over the place. But, but this, is, this is what I need to say. We're not, we're not not having church. All right, so let me, let me set the story straight. We're definitely having church. But, but here's what we believe at Multiply. Man, we believe in putting the ownership back on the family and talking about Jesus inside of your home. So a lot of times in the modern culture, what do we do? Let's show up to a church and let's talk about Jesus and let, let the church talk about Jesus to my family. And so we're kind of flipping the script a little bit. We're saying, hey, we're putting this devotional together for you. Uh, we're going to put some questions together for you. We've already sent you home with hot chocolate. We've already sent you home with coffee. If you didn't get it, it's those little presents that are right outside the door to the right. So grab some of those on the way home. But it's an excuse to gather around a table, to gather around a screen, and just to talk about Jesus. I know I can talk to my family about anything, but when it comes to Jesus, for some reason, it's a little harder. I don't know if you're like my family, but, but for some reason, my dad passed away about three years ago, and it was almost impossible for me to talk about Jesus to my dad. Someone else went and talked to Jesus about, uh, went, went to talk to Jesus. They talked to Jesus about my dad, too, a lot. Uh, but someone else talked to my dad about Jesus. Pastor Doug drove two and a half hours and talked to my dad about Jesus in his living room, and he accepted Christ three months before he passed away. So, I mean, yeah, you can celebrate that. But, but here's the question. Who is it in your family? Who is it in your friend group? Who, who is God entrusting 
you with? Who can you talk about Jesus? So that's why we do that the last Sunday of the month. So we're excited. We're excited for that. Let's kind of pick up in week three of our dream series. I'll give you a little recap if you haven't been here or maybe you've missed a couple of weeks. But week one, we talked about God's dream for a generation. And that the dreams that God put inside of you are never limited by your circumstances or your timeline. If you remember, we took a look at Zechariah and we took a look at Elizabeth. And scripture says they wanted to have a kid, but they were advanced in years. That was a nice way of saying they were old. Right? They thought they were limited by their circumstances. They thought they were limited by their timeline. Your dreams are never limited by your circumstances or by your timeline. Remember, we talked about four specific things in order to live out your dream. The first one was this. You want to hear it. You have to hear it from God, and then you write it down. You speak it, and then you release it back to God. In week number two, we talked about making other dreams happen. Remember the story of Mary and Joseph. Mary was carrying God's dream. And what was Joseph's dream? Joseph's dream was to facilitate Mary's dream. Joseph's dream was to make Mary's dream come true. I'm a firm believer that all of us carry our own dreams, but all of us are supposed to play a part in making others' dreams come true. I sat here last week and I told you, there's no one in this audience, there's no one under this roof that's good enough to get to where you are in life without someone else helping you along the way. So, so who, who was it for you? Maybe it was a teacher in school. Maybe it was a coach. Maybe you had a solid family at home and maybe it was your mom and dad. Maybe it was a sibling, maybe it was a coworker. maybe it was a boss. Maybe someone gave you an opportunity that you didn't deserve. You sat in a room at some point in your life with other people that you had no business being in the room with. So, someone else helped facilitate your dream. Everyone is called to have dreams, but everyone's called to help facilitate other people's dreams as well. So, so here we go, week number Three, I'm, I'm, I'm picking up with God's dream. And if I had to subtitle this thing something, I, I would subtitle it, God already has a plan. God already has a plan. I, I don't know if you're like me, but I love strategy. Anybody else love strategy? Like you like reading about strategy. You like watching strategy play out. You like making the plans. Like you just love strategy. And, and we, see this, we see this a lot in board games. Chaz, I'm going to call you and Jana out. Um, I think, I mean, we, we, you have a group, you have a, a board game group or a game night group. We're having, it's confirmed that we're having the game night, correct? So New Year's Eve, what are the times? 5 to 11. I just invited 100 and some odd people to your house, so <laughs> I apologize. Uh, but we have, we have a group, and it's a game night group. But what I know is we're going to play board games or we're going to play card games. And, and a lot of those games involve strategy. I know you like strategy because I've seen your game room, right? Like you, you love Strategy, any other, any other game, like, nuts in the room? I, I love playing games like Monopoly. Like, believe it or not, like, Monopoly has some strategy to it. Like, are you that person that just buys everything as soon as you land? Are you a Monopoly fan? Can we play Monopoly sometime? Like, you have to be a special person to play Monopoly. Everybody else is weird. Me and you can play Monopoly, all right? We'll play with my four-year-old so we can win. Like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, Piper, can I have 100 bucks? Like, 
But, but monopoly takes some strategy. Like, are you the person that buys something as soon as you land on it? Or, or do you try to get every railroad? Or, or do you just buy the most expensive properties? Are you that person that, that hoards the one property that someone else wants so that you can trade like four for one? Like, there's, there's some strategy around the game. W- what about risk? Anybody play risk? I, I have a confession. I'm confessing it before you and before the Lord. Um, I, I was so addicted to playing Risk. I had it on my phone. I had it on my iPad. I played the board game, like, during the week, and I had it on my computer. Like, it was, I had to delete all of them because I was playing, like Jenna will tell you, I was playing Risk nonstop. But there's strategy behind Risk. Like, do you start in Japan? By the way, don't start in Japan. You're a weirdo if you start in Japan. Like, do you start in Australia? Nobody likes you if you start in Australia, right? Do you start in Africa? Like, do you, do you move your army all at once? Do you spread it out? Like, like, what's your strategy when it comes to risk? Now, this one's a little controversial as well. Uh, any settlers of Catan fans in the room? Like, I, like, like there's, there might be a game at the Witt household later today, if I can convince my wife um, uh, and, and have people over. But, but settlers of Catan. Like, what's your, what's your strategy? Like, are, are you the person that just finds one resource and you're going to put all of your settlements around one resource and force everyone else to trade with you? Nobody likes you. Are you the person that, like, goes to the ports and, and you think you're going to be slick? It's like, we see you going to the ports. Like, we know what, we know what you're doing. Like, is your strategy to, to build the longest road right away? Is your strategy to get the, the largest army? There's always strategy. And some of you are in the room going, I don't play board games like that, and I have no idea what you're talking about. So let me, let me flip it a little bit. Maybe you like sports. That There's strategy with sports. I think one of the greatest strategists when it comes to sports is Bill Bel- Belichick, even though they lost last night. All right? But, but think about this. Man, Coach Belichick, he's going to throw the ball 50 times, or he's going to throw the ball three times. Like, he always has strategy to win the game. In fact, they were down 20 to nothing last night going into the fourth quarter. They ended up coming back 20 to 17. And if it wouldn't, wouldn't have been for a busted run play, they might have won the game. Like, he, he's just great with strategy. M- maybe, maybe you're a history buff. I love reading about history, and I love thinking about conquerors like Genghis Khan or Napoleon. They always had strategy. Now, if I didn't catch you with board games, if I didn't catch you with sports, if I didn't catch you with history, I know I'm going to catch you with this one, all right? One of the greatest strategists of all time is Velma from Scooby-Doo. Like, (laughs) Velma always had the strategy. Like, she knew how to catch the monster. Fred would be like, let's do this. Velma's like, no, shut up, Fred. Like, like we're going to put the net over here, right? Like, Velma always had the strategy, whether it be board games or, or sports or, or studying history or, or trying to figure out how to catch some monster, there's strategy all throughout life. There's a plan to life. We love to plan for our future. We love to plan for what we want to see. We love a plan. But one great theologian said it this way, everyone has a plan before they get punched in the face. That was Tyson's quote, right? Like, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Everyone has a strategy for having kids until they have kids. Everyone has a strategy for someone else's kids until they have their own kids. Everyone has a strategy for owning a business until they try to start a business. Everyone has a strategy. 
And this is what I know. With this many people in the room, all of our plans and all of our strategies, regardless of the season of life you're in, they've all taken a punch. All of our plans have taken a punch. Maybe you thought your family dynamic would look a little different at this phase in your life. Your plans took a punch. Maybe you thought you would be married by now. Your plans took a punch. Maybe you thought that you would have a different career. Your strategies and your plans took a punch. Maybe, maybe you're a little older in life, and maybe you would be, you thought you would be closer to retirement than you actually are. Maybe your plans took a punch. A board game that I love to play. Anybody ever play the game of life? Anybody ever play that? See, see the, game of, the game of life, the board game is easy. Because in the board game, you get to pick your career, you get to pick your salary, and you get to pick your success. But in real life, you don't always just get to pick and choose by spinning some magical number. And this is one thing that I want you to jot down today if you're taking notes. Even though some of your dreams look differently than you expected, your life does not catch God by surprise. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 says this, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Before God created the universe, before Adam and Eve, before the Garden of Eden, God knew your story. God knew your path. It's hard for us to understand. We have trouble understanding that God is outside of time and space. Like in our finite being, in our finite minds, we have trouble understanding that God sees this timeline of of time and space differently than we do. God knew you before the foundation of the world. And and we tend to go down this rabbit trail of these types of thoughts. Is, Is God caught off guard by my life? Is is God making my life up as he goes? Like, is God spinning some magical wheel and playing some cosmic board game with my life? Does does God really? Like, does God really have a plan? Like, sit, sit with that for a second. Does God really have a plan? God has a dream, and and God has a plan. I'll put it to you like this. A dream without a plan is just a good idea. And I'll take it a step further. A dream without a date is just a fantasy. We fantasize about dreams. We fantasize about our future. Is this whole God dream some type of make-believe fairy tale? Is life just happen chance? Maybe you're thinking, Zach, You've talked a lot about dreams the past couple weeks, but it's, it's, hard to me, it's hard for me to dream. It's hard for me to actually believe what my dreams could be. Why? Because of two things I, I truly believe. We all have questions that we want answers for, and we all have an inner skeptic. We all have questions of life. God, how could you? God, where were you? God, and we want to fill in these questions of life and what does that cause? It causes us to sit down sometimes and go, hey God, like are you really are you really there? I think it's funny because people who don't necessarily believe in God will start talking to God as if as if he's there. I don't know if you're up there or not, but 
I'm going to talk to you for a second like you, like you are. Can I, can I remind all of us in the room, it's okay to have questions. It, it's okay to have an inner skeptic. Can I remind us that we're in good company? Think back to week number one. Think about Zechariah and think about Elizabeth. Circumstances and timeline. Zechariah was like, God, are you sure we can have a kid? We're old. Do you see the world that we're living in? We're old. Circumstances and timeline. It's okay to have questions. It's okay to be a skeptic. Even Joseph, Jesus' dad on earth, he had questions. He was a skeptic. God, are you sure I'm supposed to be with Mary? She's pregnant and it ain't mine. I don't know how you're going to work this out. It's okay. It's okay to have questions. It's okay. It's okay to be a skeptic, but it's not okay to stop dreaming. It's not okay to ask God those questions and just throw it to him and act like, ah, oh, whatever, I'm going to forget about it. I, I want to talk today about the process of dreaming. What does it look like to actually dream? We've been talking about dreams, but, but what is the process of dreaming? Is, this, is there a process? I'll put it to you this way. If I had to give my, my life kind of one sentence, I would probably say something along these lines. I want to live a life of passionate curiosity. Of passionate curiosity. I want to dream curious dreams. I want to design those dreams in line with the plan that God has for my life. And I want to deliver those dreams to the world. I want to dream. I want to design. And I want to deliver. Dream, design, and deliver. In the Multiply kind of network or, or family of churches, um, man, we, we love to dream. We love to dream about locations. We love to dream about where God's taking us. We, we love to dream. In fact, this location, this church, is, is the concept of a dream. And we sat in what we call our interrobang room. And, and in our interrobang, interrobang is an actual punctuation, for those of you who don't know any English nuts in the room. Like, Google interrobang, it's literally an exclamation point with a question mark. The idea is it's, it's asking questions that are passionately curious. See where I got that from? Passion, Whatever. But we have this room that, that we sit in all the time, and the first wall is the dream wall. Now, here, here's the only rule about the dream wall. You have to love every idea for five minutes. See, some of you can't fall in love with your dreams because as soon as you dream it, what do you do? You start questioning it. As soon as you dream it, you start poking holes in it. As soon as you dream it, you start making excuses as to why that dream won't ever happen because of who you are. The, our only rule on the dream wall is everyone has to love it. So if we put on that dream wall that we want to have unicorns at our next family day, you're going to love the idea of having unicorns, even though unicorns don't exist. Don't tell me unicorns don't exist. My daughter thinks they do. Please don't tell her they don't exist, all right? We're going to try to find a horse with a horn on it. Like, we're going to... We're going to love the idea, love your dreams. The next wall is the design wall. Now, this is where you can kind of start questioning some of the dreams because you want to design it. You want to put it into place. You have to design the dreams. You actually have to go through the steps. And I mention this all the time because I hear it all the time. I want to start a business. Man, I, would, I, would love, I got this business idea. and Man, I, man I, I feel like I could be successful. 
You can dream about it, but you're not putting any design behind it. Let me see your spreadsheet. Let, let me see your P&L. Let me see your idea. Let me see your plan. Let me see it on paper. You never design those dreams. Dream, design. And the last wall that we send everything through is the deliver wall. The deliver wall. And the one question that we ask on the deliver wall is this. Who does what by when? Who does what by when? Put a date on it. Put a name on it. Who's actually going to do it? So we dream, we design, and we deliver. Since the beginning of time, God had a dream. God designed a dream, and God delivered a dream. See, a a lot of dreams are lost in the deliver phase. But but can I remind us that the Christmas season is God delivering on his promise? Go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible and unpack the fullness of the story. If you're taking notes, write this down. The first thing you need to know is this. Don't give up on your dream. Don't give up on your dream. We see it in Genesis chapter 2. God's dream was to live in harmony with humanity. What I know about people is they give up on their dreams too easily. Again, I've already mentioned it. We'll make excuses. We'll tell everybody why we can't, opposed to telling people why we can. But could you imagine if individuals in Scripture gave up on their dreams? Think about Joseph, not Jesus' dad, the other one. Coat of many colors, I'll catch you up, Genesis chapter 37. Think about that Joseph for a second. He had this dream that he was going to save his family from a famine. And what happened? He, he told his brothers, and, and his brother said, you know what? We don't like that dream. We don't like that you're going to be in charge, so we're going to sell you into slavery. You remember the story? And then you remember Potiphar's wife, Joseph, is still having dreams. Potiphar's wife goes crazy. He runs out of the house. He's not wearing any clothes. He ends up in prison. Could you imagine if Joseph gave up on his dream in prison? And then Joseph encounters this baker and this cupbearer, and he says, hey, remember me? And, and, and it didn't come to pass for several years. And then he stands before the guy in charge, and he goes, oh, this was my, this was my dream years later. Could, could you imagine? Could you imagine if Peter gave up on his dream in Acts chapter 10? Pastor, what happened in Acts chapter 10? Acts chapter 10 is where Peter had this vision from God or this dream from God as he fell asleep on a rooftop. And the angel of the Lord said, hey, I'm not, I don't want you just to take this message to the Jews. I want you to take it to the Gentiles as well. The, the gospel message is for everyone. Could you imagine if Peter gave up on that dream? We wouldn't be sitting here today. How many of us have given up on our dreams? What if God gave up on his dream? Think about it. Once Adam and Eve sinned and and all humanity fell away from God, what if God just said, hey, I'm out. I I give up on my dream. I give up on this whole universe thing. I I give up on this thing that I created called humanity. I'm I'm just going to give. Listen, they messed up. I can tell you all the reasons why my dream won't come to pass. God, I'm I'm God, but I'm just going to give up on my dream. But, But he didn't. God did not give up on his dream. What did he do? He continued to design. Second point that I want you to write down is this. Don't give up on your dream. Design your dream. See, what we find in Scripture is that God set his plan into action. But what was, what was God's plan? What, what was God's design? See, we like, we like to jump to the, the New Testament and to look for God's design. But the reality of it is God was writing his design, God was writing his plan since the beginning of time, since the inception of Scripture. Go all the way back to Genesis. Now catch up. Look at Matthew chapter 21. God set his plan into motion. What is Matthew chapter 21? It's the lineage of Jesus. 
you don't like that lineage, there's a different one in Luke chapter 3. Go look at that one. It, it's God's plan set in motion. And what I've come to realize is th- this isn't a redesign. This isn't God scrapping what he started with. This is God's continuation of his original design. I'm not cherry-picking scripture. I'm looking at the story in its fullness. A lot of times we'll just pick out scriptures that we like. We have to read scripture in its entirety. So, So think about this for just a second. The bite of the fruit in the garden didn't stop God's plan. The killing of a brother by another brother didn't stop God's plan. The entire earth living in wickedness and rebellion except for one family didn't stop God's plan. The walls around Jericho didn't stop God's plan. A nine-foot giant didn't stop God's plan. The murder of every Hebrew baby in Bethlehem didn't stop God's plans. False accusations, lies, a corrupt trial, a whip, a crown of thorns, a cross didn't stop God's plans. The persecution of the latter church didn't stop God's plans. The persecution of the former church will not stop God's plans. God's plans can't be stopped. But then we ask questions like this in our finite beings. Who am I going to marry? Can I remind you that God already has a plan? What's going to happen to the world that we live in? God already has a plan. My job situation seems a little unstable. God has a plan. What's going to happen our next election? God has a plan. I can't find I can't find a home to buy right now. God has a plan. Get a little more raw. I can't outrun the shame of my past. God has a plan. My sin seems to be overtaking me day in and day out. God has a plan. Darkness seems to be winning everywhere I turn. God has a plan. There are dreams that the creator of the universe put inside of you. Gifts and talents that will make this world a better place. And some of us are just squandering them away. We squander the dreams and the desires of our life because we stop designing. We stop thinking of the future, but God continues to design within the design. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19 says this, namely that God was in Christ reconciling himself or the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the world and the word of reconciliation. Part of God's reconciliation to the world is using your dreams to make him known that others might be reconciled to him. God's ultimate purpose is reconciliation. God's ultimate purpose is what we saw with Adam and Eve walking with God in the Garden of Eden. It all started in 1 Peter chapter 1, but with the precious blood of Christ as the lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world. But was manifested, he was revealed in these last times for who? For you. Romans chapter 6 verse 10. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. 
Zach, are you preaching an Easter message? No, I'm preaching the entirety of the gospel. I can go back to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, and talk about Christmas a little bit. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful. His name shall be called Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. But here's the reality. All of this is a continuation of Genesis chapter 2. All of this is God's design in a manger in Bethlehem some 2,000 years ago. Now, now the question is this. Will you deliver that dream to the rest of the world? Will you be a consumer and just say, hey God, I'll take your dream. Thank you for Jesus. boy. Or will you continue to deliver that dream to the rest of the world? Let me read it again. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Will you play a part in God's reconciliation to the world? The dream in you should lead others to God's ultimate dream. The dream in you should lead other people to Jesus. I'm going to be blunt for just a second. If your dream doesn't include God or making God known, get rid of it. It's nonsense. It's taking up space. It'll only lead you down a path of selfishness. It'll only lead you down a path of destruction. If your plans don't involve God, they're not plans. They're your selfish ambitions and your selfish desires. I I told you, I told you this. I mentioned board games. I I don't know about y'all, but around the holiday season, maybe it's because we got a little extra time off or maybe it's just because family's gathering and friends are coming over. But we love playing board games during the holiday season, especially Christmas. So much so, driving back from dinner yesterday, Jenna, you said this in passing, hey, we need to get the board games down and start playing board games. Like, it's Christmas. For those of you who don't know, uh, dad's in the room, husband's in the room, you got a week to buy presents, like, go ahead and do it, all right? But we love playing, we love playing board games. And I've already thought about the games that we're going to play, you know, I've already thought about Risk, I've already thought about Catan, and I've already thought, all right, what strategy am I, if I play with this group, I got to use this strategy, if I play with that group, I got to use this, because they know my strategy, so I got to... My family, I get together with my family, and I don't know if you're like me, I don't, I don't see my family as often as I should. I, I just, it's a, it's a flaw in my life. As your pastor, can I be real for a second? Man, I need to see my family more. I need to go see my sister more. I need to go see my grandparents more. I need to go see my mom more. I need to talk to them more. Holidays are always an excuse to get together, so we get together. We play games. We laugh and we have fun. Just like there's a design within the design, there's also, for me, over the holiday season, there's a strategy within the strategy. Zach, what do you mean? Listen, I'm going to play games. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to try to win. Sure. But there's some people around the table that I need to talk about Jesus to. That's the ultimate strategy. Can I be raw with you for a second? There's some people that I'm going to be sitting with that I need to ask some forgiveness for. Hey, I'm sorry I hurt you when I said and fill in the blank. I need to own my own junk. I don't, listen, just because I got like pastor inside of my name doesn't mean I don't have junk. Brass tacks, I need to sit down with my sister and say, hey, I'm sorry I hurt you. I'm sorry what I said hurt you. I, I'm, I'm sorry that we haven't talked for the past four months. It's, it's my fault. I, I've been selfish. 
I've tried to stand on my own pedestal and say, you should do, no, nonsense. I'm getting too old for that crap. Like, I need to ask for some forgiveness. There's a strategy within the strategy. Who, who is it for you? Who do you need to talk to during the holiday season, during the Christmas season? Who's going to be sitting around your table? Whose table are you going to be sitting around? Who can you talk to Jesus about maybe for the first time? Who can you talk about the cross with? I'll go all the way back to what I said in the beginning of the service. Next Sunday, we're not having service here. We're sending you home with a message. Why? Because we're trying to provide opportunity and space for you to talk to others about Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed for just a second. And I can stand up here. I can rah-rah. I can get us going. But at the end of the day, can I remind us all that God has a dream for you? That God has a design for you. And God wants to deliver something to the world through you. Maybe you're in this room and, and maybe you've never fully stepped into a relationship with God. Maybe you feel like your dreams never get started. And, and I would say maybe they never get started because you're disconnected to the one who gave you the dream. Maybe you're in this room and for just a moment you would recognize that you need a relationship with Jesus. If that's you all across this room on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you forward, but we're going to say a prayer collectively together. If you're saying, Pastor, that's me, man. I want to step into a relationship with Jesus all across this room. On the count of three, raise your hand. Ready? One, two, three. Amen. Amen. You slip those hands back down. Church hands went up. What does that mean? It means somebody just stepped into a relationship with Jesus. Let's let's say let's say this prayer collectively, and then I'm going to ask you to keep your eyes closed because I got one more group I want to talk to. Man, if you just slipped up your hand, could you say Jesus? And all across this room, could you say Jesus? I need you in my life. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to dream. Help me to live wide awake to your love and fully alive to my purpose. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Listen, if you said that prayer for the very first time in your life, or maybe it was a recommitment to, to Jesus, that doesn't mean life's going to be perfect. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It means that you have to continue to design. And I think one of the first parts of that design is right outside these doors to our left. We have our wide awake and fully alive area. We want you to stop by there. We have some material for you, individuals that want to talk to you, so you can start to walk this journey with Jesus. Now let me talk to the second group in the room. Those eyes are still closed for the people who follow directions. Know who the unruly kids were growing up. But, but let me talk to the second group. Maybe, maybe you're in this room and maybe you're following Jesus, but, but maybe, maybe you recognize that you're going to be sitting around some of those tables in the next couple of days, the next couple of weeks, and there's some conversations that you need to have. But in this moment, as we step back into worship for just a second, if that's you, if, if you're part of that second group and you'll say, I'm committing to partnering with God to take his dream, to take the message of Jesus Christ to the world as we step back into worship. 
man, would you just begin to stand and sing that anthem for yourself? That you would make room for God in your life, that you would make room for God in your past, that you would make room for God in your present, that you would make room for God in your future, that you would continue to make room for spreading the gospel message.